0: Welcome to a, another episode of the Pickle Sports Season Two. I'm your host Tim Brewer. With me, as always, is Nathan, heartfelt friend Brewer. That's you, mate, aren't you? Heartfelt friend.
1: That's me. Yeah, and you're a good heartfelt friend as well. But I appreciate
0: you um, giving. Oh, me stop, it. <laughs> stop it! Stop <laughs> it. This is a podcast where there are two Christian sporting nothings who want to think about the relationship between Christianity and faith today, and we are doing that today with the concept of heart. Now, you have a heart, Nathan. I have a heart. You are a heartfelt friend, deeply important person to me, as is everyone who listens to the podcast. Um, And we're just sort of jumping straight into things today. It's a very AFL episode, and we're thinking about the the relationship between our heart and who we are on the inside, because when we think of heart, we think positive,
1: mm.
0: but sometimes the things that come out of our hearts are not all that positive. And there's been a bit of a fracas within the AFL journalism community over the last week. And um, we're going to get into that a little bit and, uh, and throw that around. Before we do, we've got an update on the tipping comp from last week. Now, Nathan, um, it's a little bit unfair, perhaps, um, doing AFL tipping when it's a sport that you know least well. But uh, what were your reflections on um, on the comp from this week?
1: Um, you know, I think I'm generally not the I'm generally not the best starter when it comes to AFL tipping, but I, I work out some things as things go on, and um, and yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get into a nice rhythm as the, the year goes on, and I'll, I still feel optimistic of, of pinching a title.
0: Yeah, four tips right, so um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, there, were only, there was only one person who beat you by more than one. Uh, there yeah. were four of us who got four tips, uh, five tips right. You and uh, one other to get four, and then my brother coming through with seven tips. Wow. He, um, he follows his footy a little bit too closely, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was pretty confident going on early. I, I felt like we got the I got Melbourne right, and then I tipped. Carlton and a bit of a smoky. I thought I was going to have a good week, and then my other smokies went bad. Didn't pick a couple of other bad results. And so, um, anyway, we are where we are. If you would like to join the AFL tipping comp, it's not too late. Make sure you jump onto uh, that through Booker Sports Socials. Now, uh, tips for this week, Nathan. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on what you're going to do?
1: Yeah, I'll try. I'll give you my. Ooh, what am I thinking? Maybe a sneaky,
0: uh, maybe Mark shipping, as we record, friends, this is good.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think Essendon over Brisbane Lions might be a cheeky, cheeky smoky for you. Um, you know,
0: they're two dollars 70 That would be a big upset after round one. point.
1: Yeah, but just just early season's weird. Weird things happen each and every week. So um, yeah, so just just watch that space and, and maybe a bit of Hawthorn over Port Adelaide. So there's a couple of smokies for you just to. Um, Keep it spicy. That's my my, my tips.
0: They They would both be big smokies. I'm tipping Carlton again against the Dogs. I feel like Carlton are just running hot at the moment. I'm going to tip the Swans, the Pies, the Lions, the Power. I'm going to tip Melbourne over Gold Coast. I'm going to tip. I feel like North Melbourne have got something and West Coast, just a a rabble of a club. So I'm going to tip the the Kangaroos. Um, The Giants, I'm going to tip over the Tigers in an upset. And then I'm going to tip... Frio over St Kilda, who were uh, a bit disappointing mm. in, uh, in the first week. So there you go. If you want to get it right, follow me or don't. Uh, now, Nathan, let me bring you up to speed and our listeners up to speed because not all of our listeners will be aware of what has gone on. This is We're talking about Tom Morris. Now, forgive me here because it's going to be a little bit of Tim monologue as I sort of run us through the situation, and then we're going to get Nathan's thoughts to jump on to um, – Some of these things. So Tom Morris uh, was, up until a few days ago, a AFL reporter with Fox Footy. And uh, did a a few other things with Fox, did some Big Bash coverage with the cricket and um, helped out with the test coverage, I think, from time to time. Um, Did a bunch of other things, but he was primarily an AFL journalist. And everything kicked off last Wednesday night, first night of round one, and Tom Morris was the victim in this mess because he had broken a story uh, that the Western Bulldogs had um, caused a, a, done something a little bit sneaky with the team they announced for round one. And uh, Luke Beveridge came out, who was the Western Bulldogs coach, came out in the press conference afterwards and had an absolute crack at Tom Morris, calling him gutter journalism, muck racking, these sort of things. Um, and Tom Morris was the victim in that sense luke beverage came out and apologized and then what happened the day after was that there were these uh audio comments and a video that got released from tom morris uh one which was included disparaging comments to uh a few different groups of society asian people women uh, the gay community and others and um also he made a And i haven't listened to all of it but i've heard enough to know that it was pretty bad um comments about one of his fellow journalists a colleague of his at fox a female colleague at fox um talking about her in a very sexually inappropriate way and also making a comment on her um her sexuality um sort of making public something that had been private to that point the fact that um Yeah, matter matter of sexuality. Now, he got sacked by Fox for this. And there's been interesting sort of comments in the footballing community as to whether this is right or not. So I'm going to throw you in the deep end, Nathan. That's the the broad overview of what's gone on this week with Tom Morris. Cancel culture. Good thing, bad thing, combination of both. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's um that's a very tricky, very
1: tricky thing. Um, particularly with this case. It's I a think a light
0: one to throw you away, mate.
1: Yeah, it's a tricky one in that, you know, as a <sighs> cancel so let's make the broader comment on cancel culture. The problem I have with cancel culture from a Christian perspective is that um, whilst we believe in punishment and consequences and and right and wrong actions, of course, uh, you know we are big on forgiveness and, and and especially where there is repentance offered by the uh, perpetrating party. Whereas cancel culture is not only you you do not want to forgive under any circumstances, and in the lots of particular cases, you actually will go back through people's past. To find things that are offensive now, and so some people twenty years ago had done something that was culturally fine then, but is offensive now, and we're going to go through. It's, it's the mindset of instead of looking to forgive, it's looking to find offence, and so that's opposite. Actually, um, yeah, it, you know, compared to being a Christian and sort of Christ dying for our sins. It's uh yeah it's the opposite mentality of we're going to crucify anyone for their own sins and then it often works against those people who are so passionate about it because they themselves are sinners, um and they eventually get caught eventually so yes so my general I have concerns about cancel culture, but then there are some particular cases where some people have done some pretty heinous and ugly stuff and do need to be uh, punished and removed from spotlight and removed from fame and success and wealth uh, because they've done some awful things and, and maybe. Um, Without knowing all the details of the Tom Morris case, he's done some pretty ugly things, and so yes, probably a um, a punishment uh, definitely needed to be thrown his way. Um, But yes, the problem. Just to
0: to to come in as well, one of the challenges with forgiveness is the generally the way that cancel culture plays out is that it's the the powerful in a certain sense who are cancelled, right? And it's sort of the, um, the, the call of the crowd um, that says, our standard says that what you are doing is not right. And so even though you are in a position of power, even though you belong to a subsection of community that is not perhaps um, as, uh, doesn't have the same barriers to having a loud voice, say, as what others do. For instance, mm-hmm. if you are a, cisgendered heterosexual, white male, hmm. then you don't have the same barriers to having your voice heard that other groups do have. And so, therefore, it's sort of the voice of, the, the collective voice of the crowd, which can enable justice to be brought to the powerful. Um, and so, one of the challenges with forgiveness is that it is the, normally, the less powerful person who's going to be asked and compelled to forgive the more powerful person um, which would be the sort of the pro cancel culture view on it, right that actually that's an unfair thing and that um, the power imbalance of what is going on there means that justice is a is an appropriate thing to bring through the collective voice of the crowd which gives minority voices strength.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the alternative view, right? Mm-hmm. And you can sort of see some help, some helpful stuff in that. Definitely you can see from your from what you've raised, There needs to be a uh, compassion and a um, gracious assumption and a desire, let's move forward by restoring relationship, seeking forgiveness and reconciliation and move forward. Um, It's a complex issue, isn't
1: it? Yes, it it is tricky and there are, you know, cancel culture becomes a thing because there was merits in it in the first place and there were lures to it. And then, and so, yeah, there's some good ideas in there. Um, and yeah, it's holding people and particularly, and in particular generally powerful, rich, influential people in the past and even still are really hard to hold accountable. They can find their way out of anything. And so cancel culture has also helped to sort of combat, you know, the if you're in the right position, you can just do whatever you want and you can cover it up or you can hush someone or you can just, you know, buy your way out of it. And so yes, there's there's definitely allures and um, I think it was put in place to correct some wrongs and then it's um it's definitely probably just gone a little bit too far now where we're gonna dig through everyone's past and we're gonna try and find fault in anyone's action who takes up any position. And yeah, so yeah, it is a it was a good idea. I think, you know, if you read Douglas Murray's book on the madness of crowds, sort of it was a good idea with good intentions when it first started. Yeah and then we've gone a little bit crazy with it. So like a lot of good idea, but now we're executing it uh, too ruthlessly and poorly, and it's probably becoming more unhelpful than helpful at this stage.
0: And the unintended consequences are really, really interesting, right? Because one of the things that it's meant has happened is that say Fox footy in this case, and not even if you're not trying to be cynical at all about how much of it's a public relations exercise on their behalf, there may be legitimate sort of um, moral outrage on behalf of senior leadership there but so even if you're not trying to be cynical and saying well they're just doing it to keep the crowd happy um the the world and organizations and corporations and media outlets and whoever um have to care about public us Hmm. and it's once something becomes public that cancel culture can be a thing right so it's it's only what comes out and and i mean tragically this is a bit of a a detour but you know this is this stuff happens in the church as well just in the last week with there's been revelations about um brian houston and hillsong and things that have gone on in the past and yet have come into the light recently and you go well that is not behavior that is fitting with a church leader um slash a christian and so there um when things become public they need to be dealt with the unintended consequence of that is that we judge people on their public um, persona. If someone is clean publicly, then we go, okay, well then, therefore they're clean, we can hire that person, we can do whatever we need to do. And I think some of the pushback against cancel culture has sort of said, well, everyone's got some skeletons in the closet and everything can be things are going to come out um, and are we all just sort of waiting until there isn't an aggressive investigative reporter who, who finds things from um, you know, that we said when we were a teenager or something. Um, and so, a lot, of, a lot of these things just become public relations exercise, which is keeping image happy and keeping the public perception of ourselves happy rather than working out how can we be better people. I've got a quote for you, Nathan. This is from Tom Morris. After this all came out, And he said, I would like to unconditionally apologize to everyone for my disgusting and disgraceful comments, which became public yesterday. I'm especially sorry to the person involved. No one should ever in any place or at any time be spoken about in that way. I am deeply ashamed of my behavior. My comments were hurtful to many, and I will now take the time. This is the bit that I want to focus on. I will now take the time to listen, learn, and work to improve myself, ensuring that I become a better person. I'm truly sorry to everyone, Tom Morris. And... The there's a few things that that raises. The first question is, and here I'll throw you in the deep end again, Nathan. Hmm. Should Tom Morris get a second chance and what does that look like for him if he does get it?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a really hard one. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's just it's so hard. Because we can't
0: you can't just say, Oh, you've said the right words, you put the right words yeah. on a Twitter. Um yes on a tweet so therefore uh we can see that you um are now a new person and a different person and um you're back in the you're back in the job yes that's right. like, is, there a, is there a 12 month kind of thing uh, what do yeah. Fox require from him to be a restored person yeah um, yeah i mean to be a better person is it just mean keeping a better grap- uh, grasp on your image like mm. yeah
1: yeah it's so tricky i mean it's like yeah, anyway, in the church, you know, we've had the Mark Driscoll case as well. Someone who hasn't done, he's done something a bit that's awful, but it's more gray in terms of automatic step down and, and firing. Uh, and, and in terms of ministry, do you automatically get disqualified? And he took a six months to a year off and then came back and was that right? And so it's just really hard because you just, I don't know, I don't know, Tom Morris's heart. I don't know who he is. Like maybe in 12 months, he's just learned that he can't say th- say things out loud because he could always be recorded and he may be thinking all those awful things and he's still a nasty bloke, but he's just going to uh, say the right thing publicly. And it's like, okay, do we reward him for that? Or maybe in a year he's completely changed and he's a new guy and, and he's completely different and looks back at his former self with complete and utter shame and he's repentant. And, and in that case, yeah, why would we... Why would we stop someone? Why would we cancel someone forever? And again, I think that's where the sort of the softy Christian side of me comes in. And it's like the Christian view in some ways isn't naive in that there is no perfect person. So if we get horrified at people saying and doing wrong things, um, you know, to a Christian, that's not shocking because we're all sinful. We know ourselves. We all have demons and skeletons in our closet and, and failings. And yet God looks at us and loves us. And he's compassionate to us, and and the moment that we repent, he's willing to wipe all our all our sins clean. And so, yeah, part of me goes, if the guy is genuinely repentant and he's taken some time, why wouldn't we let him back? And but yeah, but that's definitely definitely shaped by my Christian worldview. Um, more than... You're a money. teddy bear, knife. You're a I am. I am, but again, it's just so hard when you don't know the bloke's heart. I would be inclined not to let him back if he's not repentant and he doesn't care and he just wants to say the right things in public to get money then to, to get a job and make money. So it's just so hard when you don't know people's hearts and, and so that's why it's good that... Um, yeah, only God knows people's hearts. I don't. And so it's really hard for me to
0: be a judge on the Tom Morris case. I think that's right. And I, and I, and I don't think that... The, I don't think in our broader conversation we have much of a recognition that deep down we're all capable of saying the things that Tom Morris has said. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as I think about the things that I've said in the past, I don't think that I've said the things that he has, but I have said things that are disgraceful and mm-hmm. I've said things to people that um, I am utterly ashamed of And I don't even have to have specifics that call to mind that um, do that, you know, Um, but I'm sure of that. And I am Tom Morris in that sense, Mm. you know, and at one level I go, I don't deserve to be working for a church. At one level I go, I don't deserve to be, you know, trusted by anyone. Who does, who deserves to be trusted by anyone?
1: Mm. No
0: one, you know, so to get back to the language of the heart, Mark um, in Mark 7, Jesus is interacting with some of the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, and then he sort of, he leaves them uh, and he says, uh, after you, uh, again, this is Mark seven fourteen. again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this, nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him, rather it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So this is combat, it's combating a religious view that it's, it's what you eat that makes you unclean. It's the touching of a dead body that makes you unclean before God. And Jesus goes, no, no, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. If you've ever wondered why Christians don't follow the purity food laws of Leviticus, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. From within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, in the Tom Morris case, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside a man and make him unclean. So that is what comes out of our mouths is revelatory. It is revealing to us. What the state of our hearts is, and that's mm. that's a a heavy thought to bear. Mm. Yeah, and I
1: when I was listening to Tom Morris's comments, I thought, ah, you know, I'm going to make myself better. And I thought, oh, again, from my Christian worldview, I thought, okay, I can understand what you're doing. You're going to try and you're going to try and be nice. You're going to try, try and say nice things. You're going to, but yeah, yeah, you need someone to come in and change your heart. You know, like at the yeah. end of the day, we, Tom Morris's problem is, you know, what got him into trouble was his outward actions, but his outward actions followed from a wrong heart. And so yeah. he needs to go deeper. I think his speech, his his comments were, I think, addressing the symptoms. And um, yes, but only Christ can address his actual sickness and the sickness yeah. that we all have. We have a corrupt heart. And because we have a corrupt heart, we do corrupt things, uh, some to less extremes than others, but we all do them. And so we need someone to come in and change our hearts. And so that's why listening to Tom Biles, I thought, yeah, that sounds good. Try and be better. And perhaps you can clean up your outside act a little bit more. But yeah, until you get a new heart that only
0: Christ can give, you're not going to see as much change as you probably want to. That's it. I think it's one of the great follies of our world that we all believe we have the power to improve ourselves. Mm. And, and the answer from the scriptures is without the Holy Spirit working in you to provide the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, without the Holy Spirit's work in us, we can't learn and work to improve myself, ensuring that I become a better person. Mm. Um, we're frustrated and we're going to be continually frustrated until we reach the point of despair, if we take our sins seriously enough, um, because it'll keep coming back and back to us again.
1: Yeah, yeah I think, yeah,
0: it's just, I
1: like, I mean, it's quite inspirational to think about it that other way that, yeah, I'll just fix myself. But yeah, it, it's a deeper issue. And, and I know... Um, yeah, I've had many attempts in the past to so sort of go. I'm just going to clean myself up. never going to lie again. I'm never going to say anything mean again. And you just run into yeah frustration and despair. And uh, yeah, I think in some ways, Tom Morris's worldview is more naive than the Christian worldview in that um, the Christian worldview takes seriously how sinful we are, uh, even even the nice, clean people that we meet out in, in public. Um, are deeply sinful and so i think there's something refreshing and real and yeah i think you know even though it's not always easy to hear what the bible says about the human heart i think it it captures me really well and so i'm i'm challenged and captivated by that that uh, the human heart is deceitful above all things and no one can understand it um mm. yeah and so yeah we need we need Christ we need the holy spirit working and we need God to change us um otherwise we can just make cosmetic changes
0: uh, but no more amen Amen, brother. Preach it. (laughs) That's it for uh, this week on the Book of Sports. Just a one-issue podcast. That's a rare thing, but that's a good thing in today's case. We'll be back next week to discuss more AFL tipping. We'll do a review of the Australia-Pakistan Test Series, which third test is day two at the moment. Australia in a slightly precarious situation, batting first, but um, they might come good and win the series. Um, We've got to talk NRL. There's plenty to talk about, Nathan. I'll see you next week. Yes,
1: awesome. See you then.